podcast sponsor, Dog Overboard Adamstown, the fun and healthy place for dogs. Pet Chat on your pet-friendly radio station, 2NURFM 103.7. Good afternoon. Before we get to the lovely Cheryl Shaw, I just have to laugh. Uh, David, I have just seen you. Cheryl and I are in here going, is he going to come? Is he going to come? And I've literally just seen you pull up and do a mad bolt in your great shorty shorts and your checkered shirt and you're here. You've done it. Busy you're, day for you. You're giving away all the secrets, aren't you? <laughs> That's what we like to do. We're just painting a picture, you know. We're mm, getting our listeners mm. familiar with, with each of us. I wouldn't miss it. Of course you wouldn't. wouldn't well, Cheryl had more faith in you than I did. Cheryl's I more prepared. <laughs> <laughs> now, Cheryl, what are we chatting about today? Oh, a little quiz for you, Sarah. What does it conjure up when I say, what breed um, would you think is old sour mug? Old sour mug. Mm, David? I- you're smiling there. Oh, he knows. Is, is this calendar that you put in front of me? Is that a clue? It is. <laughs> it's a bulldog? It is a bulldog. Sour mug. I've never heard anything like it. The only reason I knew, because you wore a bulldog brooch, so oh, I knew that that's look. what it would have to be. Always the brooch. Now, Cheryl, we're talking mm. about bulldogs today. You've got a fantastic brooch on with a bulldog and a little hat on, a little sergeant hat on. But we're looking at them as a particular breed and... Uh, Dr. David Tabret, you are a bulldog owner. You love them, so obviously mm. you're in Team Bulldog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never, never heard it put that way, but okay. That's well, that's what you are, Team mm-hmm. Bulldog. Yes, absolutely. I'm Team Maltese, and Cheryl's Team Poodle. That's it. But let's get on to the bulldog now. A little bit of history about the bulldog. The name bulldog actually came from what they used to do back in the day, because they were used for bull baiting in the 1600s, which is just the most horrific thing I've ever heard of. They used the dogs to to get the bulls? Yeah, so what they mm. actually did, they oh. would, Sarah, they'd put them into an arena and the dog would um, actually go up and bite the bull on the nose and hang on. Now, when you look at the, the um, construction of a bulldog, they're really massive. Their heads are big, their chests big, their jaws are big and really heavy. But when you look at the shape of the dog, it actually goes down and becomes quite slender towards the pelvis and yeah, the back the end. Mm-hmm. So what was good about the bulldog in, the, in, in this horrible scene, if you think about it, the bulldog was biting on the nose of the animal, the, of, of the bull, mm-hmm. and holding on. And as he was trying to get, the bull was trying to get the dog off, he wasn't able to do it because all of the weight of the dog was in the top section of the dog. And as he tried to, you know, swish the dog off or flick it off or fling it away, the bulldog had the power close to the face. So it's an interesting way wow. that the dog was able to do the job that he was um, then being asked to perform. They actually stopped this. It became illegal in 1800 and I think it was 35, somewhere around there. And we were really lucky that the breed exists so that David can have one as a pet these days because they almost became extinct. And it was only through a few... um, local English breeders that the dog survived. Okay. And they started trying to take away the um, the aggressiveness of the breed and started putting other breeds with it like your pugs which is why we've got all so many problems these oh, days with, with what's the happening with the breathing, yes. But the bull baiting with it stopping and the um, people making sure that they um, were able to continue to breed this dog have actually bred them to become really really good family pets so they actually are fantastic with children even though given their history that they were fighting dog they make wonderful pets for children do they david have you found that your dog is really good with children yes i i think 
extremely good. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems, though, is that they attract a lot of attention. Yes. These dogs. And so they actually draw a lot of people to them. And so, sometimes, you know, that can be a bit much. It can freak them out a little bit. Yeah, don't crowd my space, you know. And oftentimes people get up in their face. Yep. Yeah. Which you wouldn't do with another dog so much. You know, you might... I find that with kids, I'll uh, often get very close to them. Okay. So you do... I think, you know, general rules around being around dogs and handling and kids and being cautious is still applies. Um, but they are very... Um, very good family dogs, I'd yeah. agree. They have such grumpy-looking faces, though, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I do think they're grumpy. But anyway, <laughs> let's get back to the nice side of these dogs. You know, most of the time you find that they don't need a lot of exercise. In, in fact, exercise <laughs> is one thing that they only need a small amount of, and not in the heat of the day. Uh, I didn't look, know this. Oh, no, at the heat of, when we say heat of the day, this is really interesting yes. because I've found just recently, you know, we have to check exactly the hourly temperature to know when to walk the dog. And if it's 22 degrees or above, we can't walk the dog. Mm. For bulldogs? Yes. Yes. Is that just because of their breathing, their, you know, their respiratory system and nasal? Yeah, a lot. Of, and particularly <laughs> if there's uh, direct sun, Yes, I find. So they yeah. really are susceptible to yeah. it. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're going to overheat. They've got such, you know, sort of um, pushed in squishy faces that they don't have the capacity to be able to take enough oxygen Suck in when they're, mm-hmm. yeah, when they're going walking. So it's really important that we make sure that, as David said, you know, the temperature's right. But you will find most of them want to just lay in that position position of, you know, tummies on the ground, mm-hmm. legs spread mm-hmm. out, that chin laying on the floor. That's their favourite position. On the tile floor. On I the find tile floor. my dog loves to lie on the cool tile floor. Mm. So are they quite content to chill out on their own during the day or do they like people around them? Are they real people dogs? Most of the time, they're quite happy to be on their own. They do like their family. They're very family-oriented. They also can make really good watchdogs, even though we're saying that they're not aggressive anymore, that aggression has been bred out of them. They do make good watchdogs. They'll let you know when somebody's around so that you can deal with them. And they still look fairly intimidating. Oh, I don't like think I'd walk into yeah, someone's yard. Yeah, if I was a burglar, I'd, I'd run. I'd yeah, hightail they it. Do. They do. They have that appearance. Mm. And they because I think because of the size of their chest... They also can generate a really loud bark. Yes, mm, true. Mm. true. Now, an interesting thing that I was reading about is the folds. Did you know the purpose of the folds on their face? So I often wonder about dog breeds and you hear about all this history and, mm. you know, what the folds are for and I'm wondering how much of a myth it is. Yeah. Well, but I, I, maybe it does fit about the blood yes, from the yeah, bull. Yeah, so Sarah, so, you're looking at us going, what are you two talking I know. about? Yeah, they've got folds on their face. Is that so it hurts one section of your face but not the other <laughs> no so when they bite that bull that uh cheryl was talking about if there's blood would run into rather than going into their eyes it would track down through the folds and away from their eyes so it channels away so yeah. wow yeah. i know but so that's why they've still got the folds there yeah, that's <laughs> bizarre. But these folds, in when we do have these as dogs as pets, we need to clean those folds. Mm. It's really important that it's part of their general maintenance that you're going to have to do with their care. So you're going to brush you know, your dog because they lose a lot of coat. They are a dog that's going to shed hair all over the house. And those folds, if they're not cleaned, will get sort of um, infections there. Oh, okay. The other thing, they have a lot of problems with eye um, issues too, David. Look, can I just putting a mere culpa here is that as a veterinarian i know all the things that can go wrong and yet i do still have a bulldog mm-hmm. and i love them and i've looked after them 
uh, in the Hunter Valley. I've looked after bulldogs for 30 years. Yep. So I know, I know everything that can go wrong. My dog is a lemon. She's got so many problems. Does she? Yeah, Aww. it's sad. Aww. So we make her, you know, as comfy as we can, and she has a really good life. But yeah, you're right. There's so you are looking at some medical conditions you'd need to address. Yeah, we if we need a whole other show if we're going to talk medical conditions. Yeah. But we've already touched on a few. Cheryl's mentioned about the breathing, uh, mentioned about, um, you know, the folds. Yep. They can get dermatitis there. Just for instance, they can get heart problems. So my dog has elbow problems, knee problems, hip problems, uh, oh. ankle problems, tore a ligament in her shoulder. She's got skin problems. I'm treating an ear problem at the moment. Oh, goodness. And she has a heart defect. Oh, dear Dave. As well. And I did discover on x-ray something that uh, they also get is a hemivertebra, which is where the spinal uh, bones, the vertebra, they don't form properly. Oh, geez. Okay. So, um, but they're cute. Don't get a bulldog. <laughs> Not to mention, Sarah, that they are really drooly dogs. So they drool a lot. They <laughs> snuffle. They snore. Mm-hmm. So you know, they you snore. certainly know you there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Okay. All right. Well, look, um, we're going to go to the phones now. Four nine two one six two one six is our number. If you've got a question for Dr. David Tabret, uh, hello. Have we got Sue from Fletcher? Yeah, you do. Hi, Sue. How can David help you today? Um, I have a, a one-year-old. He's a Turkish Van Cross Ragdoll Cat. Mm-hmm. Um, he weighs seven kilos. He's only just turned one. Yep. But he attacks my daughter and my husband, like, viciously attacks them. Oh, dear. And, we, and he doesn't let up, like, when they try to stop him. Yeah. He just gets angrier, and he just... And he really goes them, but... Just those two. Is it in Not a, my other daughter or me. Is it in a particular part of the house that this is happening? No, nope, doesn't matter where they are. He chases them. And is he hiding and then attacking them or is it just nope. tr- straight nope. up out in the open? No, nope. just as soon as he sees them, he's just like, right, okay. So cats... Um, um, the reason I ask those questions is sometimes we yes. see some of these behaviours with cats that are mimicking hunting behaviours and things like that. But yeah. one, of, one of the things that can happen is they're very perceptive. Now, I'm not saying there's a problem <laughs> with your husband there and is. daughter. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> there is a problem, but anyway, go on. That's another show. Um, <laughs> But they do certainly have, you know, greater sense of smell, greater sense of uh, hearing, and they there could be something that's triggering a reaction. There could be okay. something also that there's a uh, a history of, you know, something like you didn't feed me at the right time, and now I no. re- remember that. I'm I'm really stretching here. Yeah, um, because if you point at him and tell him not to do it, he gets worse. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's ridiculous. I haven't, I haven't seen has, that work on anyone, let alone a cat. So, my husband actually has to get a laundry basket to guard him off. Okay, what about a water spray bottle, like a spray? Tried it all, David. You've got no idea with this cat. Mm. Um, it's the cat or the husband. Away. Yeah, get rid of the husband. <laughs> um, I like the cat better. Oh dear. Um, he he actually goes away like you think he's stopped. Yeah. But then as soon as you turn your back on him, he's back at him. And is this a recent thing or has it been since you've had him? Oh, about six months. 
Right. So, you, but you've had him since he was much younger, and it started about yeah, six we've weeks. Yeah, we've had him since he was six weeks. But my daughter, I think it's because my daughter brought another cat into the house. That was my next question. Actually, that was my yep. second next question. My next one was whether he was desexed. Yeah, he's desexed. Yeah. Okay. And then you've got another cat coming to the house. She bought another cat when he was about six months old. Yeah. And um, have you still got that other cat? Yes, we do. Okay. So it's a displaced aggression. So yes. he, he's upset about having another cat in the house and he'll just take it out on someone who's nearby. And once he's picked the target, that's who he's going for. Right. Uh, the, the, pe- <laughs> the people he holds responsible. And so there's a couple of strategies, but some of them aren't that friendly, as in you need to separate them maybe into different houses, that might be an end result. Well, my husband husband and the cat, <laughs> or the two cats. <laughs> I think the two cats need to be separated. But they're best of friends. They are such good friends. I'm sorry, they're not. They're, they're pretending oh. they are. They're oh. pretending, okay? Because for whatever, you've got these two cats and if there's something that there's not quite working... Uh, I'm not going to take on you. I'm just going to take on someone who's a bit easier to attack because oh, your husband okay. and daughter don't have teeth and claws that can fight back. They'll uh, just get a laundry basket, see? Yes. <laughs> so, but then he'll come up to me and lay on the lounge and let me pat him like he's the most gorgeous cat in the world. Who feeds the cats? My husband oh, that's and my interesting. daughter. Yep. Yeah. The two he hates. <laughs> Um, this, this goes into a much bigger consultation and it's certainly something yeah. I think I would be speaking with your veterinarian about. My first instinct would yeah. be to separate the cats as yeah. much as possible um, to a separate house if that's possible, but if not, certainly within the house. And then uh, have you got any feliway? Yes, we do. Yeah, you need to make sure that you've got plenty of that around. Um, yeah. It's not going to fix it, but it is going to help. And... In some cases, we do need to medicate um, cats in this circumstance, but really it's going to be about either separating and then a slow reintroduction or possibly separating okay. the cats forever. Okay, and is seven kilos overweight? No, as soon as you said a Turkish van, I knew you'd be a big cat. Big boy, yeah, yeah. crosses the rainbow. They're, they're, yeah. they're a very large cat, so Thank you, good Sue. luck. Cats, you know, they're so complex compared to dogs. I know, I find. but mm, I'm, a, I'm a bit worried for a husband. I don't know well, how he's going to survive. I'm glad you didn't say you had to separate the cat or the husband because I wasn't sure which one was going to leave. At least oh. it's got the laundry basket. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> now we're going to go to the phones and a big hello to Anne. You're in Metford and you've got a question about your dog's medication for Dr David Tabret. Yes, thanks. Hi, Dr David. Hi, Anne. I'm just calling my, I've got a 12-year-old blue healer, mm-hmm. and we've just in the last month started A-N-T-I-N-O-L, so it's a joint support formula. So I just wondered, do you know anything about it? Uh, I briefly saw an ad for it, and yeah. um, there is a range of, uh, so it's a, like a food supplement that you put on, or is it just a it's medication? Like fish like little fish oil tablets yeah, for yeah. and you started with three yep. and then after a double dosage and then after two weeks you cut it back to normal dosage. And it's for arthritis you were saying? Yeah, it yep. says it on the, it says joint support formula. So it's because she's old and she's got a bit of arthritis in her back leg. Sure. Look, there's a number of these around and with different brands and so on. Uh, they kind of fall into two main groups that we see. Um, 
maybe three, but I think really two main groups. One is that we see glucosamine and chondroitin. Um, yes. And sometimes that's, uh, uh, depending on how, I'm going to use some really rough words here, is pure, natural, um, closer to the product, you know, the original product. Um, yeah. Might be marketed as um, a green green lip sea muscle the extract, green lip muscle, yeah. things like that, and so yeah. that's where a lot of this comes from. And then um, the other group that we see is just the straight fish oils, and so um, you know cod liver oil is an, exa- an example of that. Um, the glucosamine chondroitin is put in there as a food supplement to aid for arthritis because it's thought that. Um, since these are part of the building blocks of normal cartilage within joints, if your dog is becoming osteoarthritic, so basically their normal cartilage is disappearing or being replaced, uh, then maybe if we supply some building blocks, we'll regenerate some of that. Yeah. And the fish oils are, work slightly differently because they actually contain omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acids, which are kind of medicinal in their effect in that they can be anti-inflammatory. And so in some circumstances, people actually use both in various combinations. With the omega-3s and 6s, um, the different products come in different ratios, and this seems to be important. So a lot of people talk about, for instance, they're good for brain health, they're good for skin, they're good for joints. And there are lots and lots of studies around these areas. And it really depends on those ratios, depends on the source. But the problem is that in a lot of the studies, the amounts that were found to be effective in reducing inflammation in joints were very, very high doses. And yeah. you end up, you can get dogs will develop diarrhea because we're just giving them pure fat. Um, they'll get diarrhea, they can develop um, pancreatitis, they can get a condition called hyperlipidemia, which is a lot of fat floating around in the blood. So oftentimes we kind of back off that dose and give enough that we think, well, that will probably help, but you know, how much of an effect is it having? Um, the other ones, the glucosamine and chondroitin is very controversial area. And, yeah. you know, there's as many studies that say that it works as studies that say that they don't. So, you know, it probably doesn't hurt, but, you know, weight control, regular exercise, um, yeah. any inflammatory pain medication if required can be helpful. And then, you know, maybe the supplements, but Oftentimes, the biggest part that hurts is the cost. Yeah, so it says on the jar, like it's a green lip muscle yeah. that you talked about before. And yeah, I know, like 60 tablets is $80. Yeah, so it's just one of those things that, you you know, they some people find they really work really, really well, but um, we've got to be careful of bias. And, you know, when we look at a dog, we think, well, we spend the money, we'd bloody... Oh, sorry to swear, but we, oh, we David, want them... Oh, David, please. I get, I get passionate about this. Oh, yes. We want them to be better. You've, you've dropped the you B know? word. That's, can... what we, that's what we want. So <laughs> of course. I want to just kind of emphasise this, that it'll work for some dogs, doesn't work for every dog. Yeah. And if you're happy with Trial it, it. I, I keep going. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just keep going. I think that's worthwhile. And thank you so much for the call, 49216216. If you've got a question or a concern for Dr. David Tabrit, look, you know you're going to get honest advice here. That is for sure. Mm. Passionate, honest advice. That's what we like. Now, David, what are we chatting about today? Look, I've had the experience of having to do a couple of uh, weekend clinical shifts, which has given me a treasure trove of things to talk about. And the thing that really struck me this weekend I worked was um, dogs eating bones. Mm. We've brought it up. But what happened, we saw a dog that had eaten 
the people thought it ate really, really well and it was fine, but actually it got caught in its esophagus. Oh, because there's still a huge misconception because it wasn't that long ago where we were told give dogs bones, great for their teeth, you know? Yeah, and I'm often, in terms of giving advice, I'm kind of a little bit torn about this. I'd certainly, the rules that I say is no cut bones, no cooked bones. Yeah. Okay, now. So raw bones, okay. Big, big raw bones. Yeah. Yep. So that if you went and you looked around the yard and you go, where does that bone go? If it was inside your dog, you'd be able to see it from the outside. Yeah, yes. That's how big it has to okay. be. Okay. Um, whereas, um, yeah, the bone that we retrieved, we had to put an endoscope, a camera down his throat and um, pull the bone out of his esophagus. Oh, dear. Was he okay in the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The esophagus didn't look too happy. I bet it didn't. But yeah. I, w- I just want people to kind of come back and remember some of the the reason those kind of guidelines and we use those sayings no cooked bones no cut bones is because we see problems and it it is something that does occur often well i you know people always say to me oh but i've always given my dog cooked bones or cut bones and i say yeah until you don't until something goes wrong you know i always used to drive without a seatbelt. Do you have to have the an accident? Changed, yes. Do you, well, do you have to have the accident to know that it's not a good idea? That's right. Yeah, there's so. enough. There's enough that we can see now mm. that, that shows how beneficial it is. Okay, we're going to talk about that shortly. We'll go back to the phones right now, though. Uh, we've got Karen in Rankin Park on the line. You've got a question for David Tabret about your cat. Hello, David. Um, I have an 11-year-old cat who is wrecking my furniture. I think I'm sort of leaving it a bit late, but I'm just wondering if there's anything else I can do. I've done the water squirt bubbles and the mm-hmm. saying no in a deep voice, and um, a lot of the time she does it when I'm not around, so I'm wondering if there's anything else to be done. Um, now, there's a few things. Have you, first of all, have you got just the one cat? Yes. Yes, Okay. And do you have other scratching poles it can use? Yes. More than... She's an equal opportunity scratcher. <laughs> <laughs> Including, what about legs, people's legs? Um, sometimes she'll sneak up behind me and just mm. put her claws around me like she's grabbing me, but when I give her the evil eye, she sort of backs away. <laughs> she knows when to behave. So one of the things that we... Um, I remember talking with a lot of people about this problem is if you put alpha, aluminium foil... On, this is not going to look great, but it'll work for a while. Is put aluminium foil on the sides of the furniture where, okay. where she scratches. It'll scare the living daylights out of her. Will it? Yeah, and, and she won't scratch there. Now, the problem is she might go and scratch somewhere else. You're going to have to put a lot of aluminium so, foil around the house. Yeah, well, on any okay. any vertical surface that she is scratching, I would do that for a period. And it might only be for a week or two, and then she'll hopefully go back to... Obviously, you leave the scratching her scratching poles. pole, you leave that uncovered. She'll go back to that. Um, the other thing is, and we had to do this, is you can actually get so, uh, soft paws or soft claws. Yep. Which are like tiny little plastic gloves that we glue onto the end of their claws. Yeah, they work really well. And they do work well. They wear off after about, I don't know, a couple of months, isn't it? Yeah, I it think? just depends on the, the cats, what the cat's wow. actually doing. But they work exceptionally well. And the other thing is they come in great ranges of colours. So you can colour coordinate your cat. Uh, but they do they work do. really well. And actually. you can buy them online. They're easy to fit. And, yeah, you'll have no problems with your cat scratching now, anything. Now, I'm going to have to disagree here. Yeah? 
yeah, easy to fit. What are you talking about, Cheryl? Yeah. Have you ever? Yeah, that's, that's, that's you're, what you do, Cheryl. You're the you're the animal whisperer, handler, professional. You can get a cat to do anything for you, but for most of us mere mortals, oh, most can, people can do it with their own cat. It's only a matter of holding that paw, holding the paw, little extending that nail out. Popping the little cl- um, the little claw on, and there's a bit of glue that there's a bit attached. of glue in yep. it. That's yep. all, and it just oh. it just sticks to the claw. That already sounds hard for me. I couldn't mm-hmm. do that to wow. myself, let alone to a cat. <laughs> but th- thankfully, there are professionals that can. But you can. That's right. You can get professionals yes. to do it. So, um, I I would try the alfoil, um, multiple surfaces, and I'd would consider the um, soft claws, and uh, also make sure there's fell away around. Yeah, the fell away will help. Because it'll help reduce. It's a. You can get it as a spray or as a plug-in diffuser, and it releases a calming pheromone for cats. Oh, okay. And it works. Well, can really you just say what it's called again, please? Feliway. F-E-L-I-W-A-Y. Okay, excellent. It's really, really good stuff. All right, Karen. Thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. Thanks for your advice. Bye. Ta. Welcome to the show, Baz. You're in Broadmeadow, and you've got a question about your dog. Oh, yeah, a while ago, I had um. We an issue with him giving him bones. I heard you talking about bones before with, with dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, I was getting him those, well, I call them cow bones, you know, the big, the big ones? Yep. Yeah, and he got real crook. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had diarrhea and I took him to the vet and his count, counts came back and he was real high on, like, it's, it's, uh, it's insides. Yeah. He couldn't take the bones. Yeah, some dogs, uh, they, this is another thing too, is that um, they'll either crack off a little bit of bone or something and it gets in their system and they just, it's not digestible. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people say, oh, they digest the bones. Some of it. Okay. Most of it not. Most of it comes through, causes problems. Um, and, you know, as Baz has said, his dog just does not tolerate eating the bones. The other thing a lot of people do is they say, oh, I want to get the bone cut so the dog can get the marrow, mm. get the goodness. Yeah. Um, most of those, their marrow is pure fat. Mm. So, we so it's s- not as good as you, you might think. No, it's just like, you know, eating a, a bucket load of Mars bars for lunch. Don't yeah, see a problem that's there? That's no. That's it was, the vet said to me, it's, it's, it's fat cat was far too hot for it, too uh, high for there you go. Yeah, see, that's what—that's the problem we often see too. The other thing is when that bone is cut, which first of all breaks my rule, yes, right? David's rule, bones, yeah. no cut bones, um, but also it means the dogs, while they get the marrow out, they also tend to chip off the edges mm. of that cut. Okay. And so they get shards of bone. Not good. Nasty. All right, let's go to Stephen now in Shortland. Hello, Stephen. You've got a question for Dr. David Tabrett. Yes, I have. Um, I've got a foxy. He's mm-hmm. nine years old. And now, since he's got older, as soon as the thunderstorm comes, he freaks out something bad. He puffs and pants and hides. And I went to my vet, but he's retired now. Mm-hmm. And he prescribes some... Mate, I'll have to spell it to you because I've got no idea. It's A-C-E-G-U-O-M-A-Z... A V E, I think. Right. And then it says A E Q T A T E. That sounds like a very bad Scrabble hand, but I think I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. 
Um, yeah, a lot of dog, a lot of dogs end up with this problem, and it's interesting how you said he was fine for years, and then it, it kind of got worse. And this is because the the it's a form of anxiety, and so as they get repeated exposure, they're either going to develop tolerance to noise and pressure or whatever it is with storms, or they're going to worsen that anxiety. So right. something's happened over the time that he's shifted from tolerance through to anxiety. And, um, you know, the medication is trying to limit the degree of anxiety. Now, there are a lot of different types of medication. That particular one I'm going to... It's not quite the spelling I'm used to, but I'm pretty sure I know which one it is. And it's more of a... Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to decipher his, no, that's his right. writing. Yep. It's, um, yeah, I think it's acepromazine, which um, is actually a tranquilizer. So it, right. it'll keep the dog really quiet, but that doesn't necessarily get rid of the anxiety. And so uh, there are actual anti-anxiety medications which we use, but for any of these problems, whether it's a separation anxiety or a storm anxiety or fireworks, we see um, fireworks are really hard to treat, but um, storms are a little bit easier because we kind of know when they're going to happen. Um, you know, it's seasonal and, you know, you can read the weather reports and you know at least a couple of hours ahead and so you can do some things with your dog to minimise this type of anxiety and medication is one of those things. The other thing is by providing them with a safe space where they feel calm. Uh, now, it doesn't mean you have to bring them inside if they're an outside dog. It could be that they're you know, going into the shed and you make up a box or something that they can hide under. Oh, he's an inside dog. He's inside dog? Okay. So when they come inside, he might want to go underneath furniture. Um, yeah, that's what he does. He gets underneath me wife's chair. <laughs> yeah. And look, that's okay. All right. So while you're seeing it as go, oh, saying, oh, look, he's really scared. He is. But that doesn't mean you bring him out from under the chair. Okay. Because he feels better when he's under the chair. He may yeah, not... Well, we just when he goes under there, if there's a storm coming, we leave him under there. But yeah. I'm just, I'm just worried he's going to have a heart attack or something because he puffs and pants and. Yeah, that's you know. pretty bad. Yeah, once they get yeah. into that sort of stage, then, you know, tranquilizers like um, acepromazine probably aren't going to do the trick for you. Um, right. You really need to speak to um, get a new vet to speak to because your other vet's retired is to um, talk about some anti-anxiety medication. And as I said, it doesn't have to be long-term, but it usually is seasonal. So you might have to do it for six months. Oh, uh, okay. And that'll actually work really, really well. The other thing is we've been talking about um, cats and using this stuff called Feliway. Well, there's a thing called for dogs called DAP. Um, okay. And it's called, it's called DAP because it's got a really good name. It's called Dog Appeasing Pheromone. Um, oh, okay. So you, it's the same sort of thing. It just makes dogs feel really calm. And what you can do is that you can actually have that and then spray it around um, when there's a storm approaching um, and have maybe have a background level of it at the same time because a lot of these anxieties, they'll have storm phobia, they'll have some other type of phobia at the same time. So a number of different things, um, providing a safe space, anti-anxiety medication, DAP and... Um, not getting too fussed, but it certainly sounds like something needs to change for him, the poor fella. Yeah, because he, uh, he doesn't like fireworks now, and but he's always been sort of a nervy dog. If he's out in the lounge room and we're watching TV and my wife drops a plate 
in the kitchen, he near goes through the roof. So, mm. <laughs> oh, bless yeah. him. I, I reckon he'd be he'd be a good candidate to have on some medication. Yeah. Because it is really going to make his whole system feel a lot better. My brother and sister-in-law's dog, Roger, is the same. He's terrified of thunderstorms and mm. she's got him on Valium, I think, Puppy Valium. Yeah, there's different Chills different types out. of medications that we use. So. Yeah, yep. yeah, makes a big difference. Thanks, Stephen. Thank you. 49216216. We do have time to probably take one more call if you want to jump in quickly. Before we do, though, let's have a quick look at our Dogs of the Week. Now, we were having a chat last week, Cheryl, about when you get uh, puppies, never go two at a time, but we spoke about if we've had them for a little while or, the, you know, they've grown up together. Yes. That's a slightly different story because this week we have Pepper and Poppy. Uh, Poppy is a two-year-old and Pepper is one-year-old and they're beautiful terrier cross sisters and they do look a bit cute. Apparently they are absolutely the best of friends. They're inseparable. They um, eat together, sleep together, play together and they obviously get on so incredibly well. Uh, In this picture it looks like they're kind of ruling the roost. They're they're both (laughs) chilling on the lounge but Mm. they do look really cute. This I guess can be a good thing if you know if you are someone that works and you aren't at home all the time. If they've already got that bond, is that a good thing or does that mean they may not bond as well with you if they've got each other sort of no looking. no 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 they'll, they'll, they'll bond, they'll bond yeah. with people yeah so a yeah. really good idea if you're in the market for two dogs they get along great um they they will give each other company that's um, right when you're not home they're going to be together and yeah cute, yeah i'm always a, i'm always a bit cautious about two dogs because we see double trouble but um dogs that are comfortable and get along all right just that when you move to a new Location, you're changing that environment, they have to find their own space again. Yeah, but at least yeah. they got a bit of a head start in that. Yeah, definitely. So, look, go check them out. They are gorgeous. Now, Poppy is outgoing. She's very confident. Uh, Pepper is a little more shy. Um, so, she, you know, she takes a little warmer to warm up. But both girls are extremely smart. They're, they learn very quickly. They love to explore, go on adventures, and they'll socialise uh, very well. So, you know, if you're in the market, go check them out. As I said, they are a little bit cute. They're our dogs of the week. Now look, we're going to uh, take another call as promised. Let's go to George from Waratah. Oh, you know, know. You, you've saw. already got David's heart. You, you've got a question about a bulldog. Yeah, I've got a French bulldog, okay. Um, she's about four and a half years old. Yep. Okay, and ever since we've, oh, probably in the last two years, all she does is bite, chew her feet and scratch. Mm. Now, take to the vet, he's put on something starts with honey. Um, I can't remember what it is. You start off by one tablet a per day, uh, per day, and then you take it down to uh, three day tablets a week, and then half a tablet every uh, third day. Yeah. They can um, uh, start their growth. Are there mice? So that's yeah. Anything else that I could maybe put on, that I could give it to her every day, because I think to get Yeah, the the drug you're talking about is prednisolone, which is actually a corticosteroid, and it's extremely effective at blocking the signals that create that itch cycle. And so some dogs that have got a really severe itch, I think we often do need to use corticosteroids. The problem is, as you said, pointed out, is that it's not great for their health. And certainly, you know, for a four-year-old dog, it's not a great long-term option. Um, for dogs that are allergic, then we usually explore. There's a whole lot of other drugs that might be more suitable. 
and would be more suitable in a longer term. So in some cases, we actually need to get to the point where we're doing allergy testing, trying to find out exactly what is the component in the environment that's causing this, and then you can get allergy vaccines made up. So it'd be worthwhile having a chat back with your vet again and saying, you know, you're concerned about the long-term effects of the medication and um, asking for a referral to a veterinary dermatologist so that you can get that testing done because I think in the long run that's going to, you know, work best for you and for your dog. There you go. Thank you so much for the call, George. We appreciate it. Well, can't believe it, but that's our time again. Cheryl Shaw, thank you so much for your topic today on Bulldogs. It was really interesting. Oh, and look, David, thank you for your advice. And Cheryl, you've made David's day with that calendar. They look similar. see similarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I might have to take Dog, a photo and put that up on our dogs website. Dogs and their owners. Yeah, they, you do start to look alike. All the arrows were reunited. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.